Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of In the Ballpark. I'm your host, Michael Serpell. I'm here with Statman, Maxi, and Fryzy. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to have you back, Fryzy. Thanks, sir. But yeah, it's very, uh, very good to be back. Uh, we, one, we, have, we have missed you, mate. One we week missing you. is a week too many. So, it is, it is uh, a week too many. To we personally it. wanted to try and dub your voice in, uh, but we, we couldn't quite <laughs> do it, unfortunately. <laughs> no, Don't no. quite have the technology yet, but um, we, no, we, that's okay. we uh, hopefully um, we can do a live cross from the uh, <laughs> hospital bed next time. There's, a, uh, there's an idea for a future advancement. Certainly Technological is. Technological advancement, hey? I think, I think so. I think so. Like yeah. a live like a live mic, a bit of a Truman yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah. Right. That <laughs> uh, could be quite innovative, sir. Oh, I would love to see yes. that. No, so thanks for that. Really, uh, <laughs> That's all right, mate. It's good to have you back. Panel for another week. Absolutely, and of course, um, the round started on Friday night, and and this was a, this was a thriller. This was a thriller. It was, it was a big game coming in. Of course, um, the Crows being the red hot team in form, and of course, they won their third contest in a row in very very tight contest um, but the believe it or not the hero of this game was Paul Poopolo he he has a fair bit of ability he's never he's never really been rated as much as as what he did in this match and um, he got the man of the match performance never um, a vote before, and he up to this game has never received a brownlow vote which is quite stunning to Think, think about you it. Think you know. get the three on that night. Yeah. But he certainly did. He, he had a game-high five goals, including the match winner. Perfectly hit shot from 40 metres out. He had three goal assists, six tackles. And he just... I think there was one stage there. I think he ran onto the ball. There was a... There was a I think I think they kicked it into the forward fifty. Just ran onto it, completely burned all the other players out, kicked the big goal. So uh, he was a very important reason why um, Hawthorne won that game. Yes. Would he have ever kicked five goals in a game before, fellas? Do we do we know that? Or I wonder. I wouldn't just, think so. No, no it's not same, five. Not no. five. I don't think. But no. uh, I think I think you're right. So certainly in line for a, a three vote. Performance you, here. You would think best on ground, wouldn't you? And, and another player who I liked was uh, Big Mitchie McGovern. He took a couple of nice marks. Um, looked looked decent up forward, which is good. Of course, that's um, the other McGovern's brother. Um, uh, yeah, Jeremy. yeah, and uh, yeah. Jeremy's Jeremy's brother there. And um, the thing was, um, Hawthorne trailed um, by fifteen points at the eighteen minute mark. Now, of course, eighteen minute mark, you go all right, you know. Surely, surely that's it. Yeah. But we, we know Hawthorne too well, and we know um, <laughs> we know that they needed to kick three goals in, in quick succession. They did that, two from Paul Palopolo, and uh, ended up winning the game with um, only several seconds to go. So they keep doing it at this club, don't they? You just, you just knew they were going to come, didn't you, Seba? You can't write them off, No, you're you? right. And in, in modern football, uh, sometimes you know three or four goals in the last few minutes is nothing. It really yeah. isn't, especially teams can the run way that they can score. run that down now. It's just there. Yeah. I heard um, I heard someone in the media. I can't remember who who it quite was, but they described Hawthorne as almost the bad guy in the in the movies that you got to shoot thirty times before you. Yeah, before you've got to do yeah. it, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> One headshot isn't enough, is it? And no. they just they just keep on coming at you. They will. They know how to win, and no. the thing is, I think they trust each other so much. They they know each player's ability. And they're just able to utilise that. They and, and even even when they panic in those finals, they get you know they get the best players, most experienced. Jared Ruffhead, Sean Burgoyne, Sam Mitchell, just all those experienced players to get a clearance, mm. and then they can start from there. So you know they just know each other so well. However, look, Adelaide Adelaide will take a lot out of this loss. Yeah, um, I think so. Rory yes. Sloan was great. Um, he really imposed himself with twenty six possessions. Um, and uh, Scotty Thompson again, Maxi, your man. He got a game high thirty three possessions. He's just a machine, isn't he? And he, he was just unbelievable. And look, um, I think Adelaide learned a lot from that last final that they played at the MCG. Um, a lot of their forwards were quite poor in that game. But Eddie Betts kicked three goals in the first term, including the first one for the Crows. He was really good. Um, and Adelaide were leading the clearances in the first half. They were they were killing it. Um, and forty seven to thirty eight contestant possessions in that second half. Um, uh, sorry, in that first half, they were they were pretty good. Um, so they certainly did set the standard high for the first part of the game. But in the end, was the umpiring a little bit <laughs> skewed, fellas? Oh, I think it uh, it'd be wrong to say it didn't have an impact. Um... Yes, there were there were reports from um, AFL House a couple of days ago that one of the umpires actually has a Hawthorne bedspread. Um, I don't know whether that is <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. I can't I can't get anyone to confirm it, but it would not surprise That's me. Probably, uh, it's probably not a good sign, is it? But, uh, but yes, yeah. a cynic, 
acidic might suggest. Certainly was. That, that, so that maybe slightly affected the outcome of that game. But, certainly um, did. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, we shall move on to Saturday's game. It was um, the Battle of the SM, uh, the HMA Sydney uh, 2. It was Sydney up against the West Coast Eagles. And this game, from the onset, you're like, oh, this is going to be pretty mm. close. It's going to be a good contest. But it was raining. It was. And Sydney... Like the SCG. Yes. Uh, what did you guys think of it? Uh, no, certainly, uh, gee, whenever these sides play, regardless of form or any other factors, it does bring back memories of those two grand finals. It certainly does for Now a decade ago. Oof. But uh, yeah, decade. no, pretty, pretty close game all the way up until three-quarter time, really. And then mm. Sydney just sort of steaming past ahead in the last quarter. Going on to win by 39 points in the end. And as you, as you touched on, Serp, is a uh, wet... Slippery conditions, sort of from pretty much the second quarter onwards in that game. And look, that that normally only works in Sydney's favour. They are a very, they're almost an unbeatable side at the SCG. Sometimes I think um, mm, they certainly are. You know, some of those uh, those hard nuts in the wet through the middle were, you know, were crucial. Uh, Parker and Mitchell had big oh. games, and they they sort of just thrive on on uh, on that kind of on circumstance. Contest, I think, they, yeah. and they uh, they kind of help drag the Swans over the line. I think in the end. Um, yeah, Tommy Papley, the young man that we've yes. we've talked about a little bit, earned himself the rising star nomination for this he did. game. So very... almost could have gotten it round one as well for Ozzy. So he he has continued. Yeah, really I, I, I think he will uh, come the end of the year when we're uh, deciding who might take out that award. He will certainly feature pretty highly. He'd been, um, I think a few of the high kids, a few other kids, yeah. Again, uh, Cal Mills is the other one. He he's been outstanding, was impressive once again. Uh, he mm. hasn't put a foot wrong. Yet so far, the only other question to take out of it is, as we sort of mm. heard a bit during the week, was this uh, perhaps inability of West Coast to win away from home. So far, they're three zip at home Oof. and they're zero and two away. I know we've only got a very sort of small Jeez. sample of five rounds to yeah to well, look at. Well, I mean, I mean, this goes as far as several years ago, Frizy, where they just um, they don't get enough games at the MCG, and no, when it comes no. final time. I remember, um, I think when they played Geelong there a couple of years ago, I think oh, it might yes. have been 2011, they also struggled at the MCG. Yep. And yeah, when it comes, of course, last year in the grand final, they absolutely struggled. I mean, mm. I will touch on this a little bit later about their travelling away, but yeah, they certainly can't get many wins on the road. They um, no. they seem to have a stronghold at Domain, but as soon as they travel outside of Perth, they, they seem to struggle a little bit on those smaller grounds. Mm. It's 28 shots to 14, so... <sighs> that's a, I know... It was pretty close to three-quarter time, but mm. Sydney had a lot more scoring shots, and they were just far better in there. They certainly are. And, you know, West Coast are known as a pretty prolific scoring side, and uh, 7-7-49, that's, that wouldn't look too good, would it? And it certainly didn't. And um, look, on a, on a rainy day, obviously, there's going to be lower scoring, but um, yeah, even from um, West Coast perspective, that's, that's pretty low, isn't it? Yep. So it certainly puts them into an interesting position there. Now, of course, on Saturday, um, there was also another match. Uh, Gold Coast up against North Melbourne. Um, Kangaroos led at every change in this game. So they were sort of... And, and look, West, um, the Gold Coast Suns were coming into this game undefeated. So um, it was going to be an interesting match. Um, and uh, yes, it was going to be interesting. And the Suns, um, unfortunately, couldn't quite win it in the end. Um, Kangaroos, um, they have a... They have a very good side, uh, and, and they have the oldest um, listed side in the competition, actually. Um, but what they're actually doing is they're being able to beat a lot of players in the in, in the congested possession count, but also with their speed. Um, just just the smarts from all their you know experienced players like um, Higgins, Zebel. Um, and even Todd Goldstein, you'd love him tapping the ball down your throat as well. And um, so all of these players combined is making them so good to watch this season. So it was a very big win from them over at um, Metricom Stadium, fellas. Another big um, performance from Benny Brown. Snagged four goals. So four goals. We talked about Adelaide's forward line is the most prolific. But I reckon North have got a pretty good case to say that they've got one of the best. But I was also impressed with um, young Peter Rice. Oof. One of his first games for the season had seventeen possessions and kicked three goals. So. Mm-hmm. And I think I got a, I think I got a little yeah. bit ahead of myself, fellas. Um, I think Gold Coast <laughs> did lose to the Brisbane Lions. I'm not trying to take credit away from Brisbane, but um, they should have gone into that game undefeated. Was, would they should have, but um, their second loss in a row. Um, yeah. couple of couple of new, and this was um, this was Rodney Eag's six hundredth. AFL game as a coach and as a player, so oh, very big from him as well. I remember when that was that was Sheeds 
years ago. Yeah, and yeah. Second, well, third, last season's coach. I remember the same thing. Exactly right. Yeah, it's how many it's sprays, a to win on those big ones, can they? How many sprays do you reckon he's given in those 600 games? Two minute count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. For every quarter, just about. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. He's, he's not a happy man, is he? You know, when yeah, you're winning sometimes. The old, the old rocket yeah, man. Um, but I mean, this is this game was significant for the Roos because this is the first time the Roos have won the opening five games since the season 2005. So very good for them. So that was a that was a big win. Got now, a big game for them coming up this Friday night. So ooh, this is yeah, this is almost a game around, isn't it? North mm. Melbourne up against the Doggies, who are a little bit injury plagued. Look it's going to be a one. great game. So yeah, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to. It. Both of them do prefer Etihad Stadium, so I'm looking forward to that game. Yep. Talking about the Western Bulldogs, they came up against the Brisbane Lions on Saturday night at Etihad Stadium and uh, well expected wasn't it and um, but the big news coming out of that was of course another player down yeah super it was 17 goals 18 one twenty two ten goals 767 but you're right Matty Suckling another oh, halfback injury boys um, he's done an ankle he's out for another month and how, how are we going to cover the, how are they going to cover these halfbacks are they just going to push mids do we talk like the likes of Mitchie Wallace or even the Bond, did they push them to the half-back line? Or? Well, there was even talk that they might have even played Liberatore off half-back, which is really? uh, which is okay. an interesting Fair. move. But yeah. I suppose they've got to start changing some things around because um, I know the Bulldogs' depth is quite impressive. Mm. But to cover those three stars in the back line who are mockings every single week, yeah, yeah going to be a little bit difficult. Well... We talk, well, they've obviously got troubles with their injuries, but they still they smashed the lines. The Bulldogs were plus 119 in disposals, plus 51 contested disposals, plus 40 inside 50, 71 to 31, smashed. and plus 19 clearances. And I thought I was really impressed with Kobe Stevens' performance, actually. Mm. He goes under the radar a fair bit. He does. Um, the old West 34 Coast disposals... 15 contested, and that included seven, seven inside 50s, sorry. And Lockie Hunter continues to go under the radar yeah. as well. Thirty-two, Another 32 possessions, Mitchie Wallace, 33. And young Toby McLean probably had one of his best yeah. breakout games, mm, 25 yes. disposals. But, um, yeah, for the Lions, it was pretty disappointing performance. Yeah. They weren't... They weren't really that competitive, but you're going to get that from a young side. Um, a few of the more expe- experienced players yeah. played pretty well. Tommy Rockliffe and um, Dane Zorko are probably the best. Rockliffe had 26 and Zorko had 21 and kicked two goals with five tackles. But yeah, it was a pretty... You could probably see this result coming before mm. the game started. Yeah. So. Wasn't a bad battle, sort of, first quarter a bit. Brisbane yeah, they were sort of matched them on the scoreboard. And the first couple of games. General play, sort of, there was a lot of a lot of effort early on from Brisbane. But, it, you know, was. as Maxie said, uh, young side, difficult to maintain that exactly. game, wasn't it? And the Doggies are red hot at home. Another interesting stat, Maxie, um, the Dogs, Dale Morris and Lion, Daniel Merritt, big source, were the only players on the ground to have played 100% game time. So there you go, Dale okay. Morris might be shoveling a fair weight in the back line um, so. this coming yeah. week. So well, they're both key backs, and I suppose key backs probably don't get. No, they probably wouldn't. Most no. of, with the restricted um, interchanges, yeah. it probably goes more to the author midfielders. Exactly but, uh, right. Sure, yeah. they would have liked a spell, but um, oh, suppose no. they just. Apparently, the Source Merit fan club has been up and about of late, so maybe he just wanted to, to sit down back there and uh, just listen to the uh, listen to the beautiful chimes. Yeah, very good. <laughs> now, of course, another game on Saturday night, which was quite an interesting start to it. Port Adelaide got off to an absolute flyer against the Geelong Cats. At the Adelaide, over a lot of pressure on the power going into this game, whether they could actually maintain that form of 2014. Mm. And finally get their season kick-started. But Frizzy, it wasn't quite the case, was it? No, no. A, a, a very fired-up Port Adelaide came out and burst out of the blocks with five goals in that first quarter. But then only three more for the rest of the game. I'm going to go into a bit more greater detail uh, later on about the power and those those troubles in that game. Um, yeah, no, the Cats the cats recovered very well despite that sort of slowish uh, start. A game that most of us will probably remember well by the quarter time. Oh, brawl. the melee. Mm. They, they've been a bit of a feature of this round, haven't they, on, uh, Yes, a couple of mm. crew little hits there, one of which uh, notably on, on Paddy Dangerfield in that contest. And yes. that, that was sort of what sparked that. That was sort of where that started. Got and a nice knee in the back. Was, <laughs> yeah, from there it was on for the next minute or so. Sort of blown um, down until Jasper Pitto came 
Oh, tried to Threw his weight in, didn't he? Yeah. 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 No. Big cockatoo. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, well, I mean, even um, even coach uh, Chris Scott even got involved. He pointing was. the old uh, tinger at uh, the, old, um, the old Hamish Hartlett. But um, he, was he had every right to. He had a few words to say. Yes. He was obviously pretty confident yeah. in saying, all right, you know, show me what you've got in the second quarter. And yeah. um, Port they, Adelaide. They didn't do it. They didn't do it, a did they? A very lacklustre effort after quarter time. I mean, the margin in the end was eight goals. Um Geelong just just strolled past them after that. Uh, very disappointing from Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide point of view, I should say. Yeah, those those two in the mid in the midfield, Selwood and Dangerfield, in the end, uh, quite quite dominant. Twenty eight disposals um, for Paddy Dangerfield, mm. uh, twenty eight for Joel Selwood, but Ruckman, Zach Smith and Reece Stanley, forty seven hit hitouts between them. Oh, geez, that is a pretty hey. decent. Um, they're working in harmony, those two, aren't they? certainly are. It's a very, uh, Considering both players are from other clubs and it's weren't a, yeah, quite it's given a, much of a look. I so. think it's an underrated combination, and it works. I mean, one of the things, I, I don't know what you uh, fellas think on this, but one of the things I take from that game is there is now a lot more pressure on Kenny Hinkley after this. It, it, I don't know, to me, it, it just seems like this, this current game plan, this current style doesn't seem to be working all working. the time. So where to from here? Is there a plan B... Uh, I suppose the next, well, I could say the next few weeks, but even uh, as far as the rest of this season, we're going to find out a lot about that man as a coach. We certainly are. Talk about he's going to get galvanised. We talk about the pressure on Kenny Hinckley, and the main question is, have Port Adelaide got a plan B? Mm-hmm. Just on a few of their star players, Hamish Hartlett, Robbie Gray, and Chad Wingard. Hamish Hartlett and Robbie Gray both had 11 possessions each mm-hmm. in a big Yuck. game, and Chad Wingard only has seven, but I think he's... I think he's playing a bit injured, so we'll give him a spell there. But mm. some of their better players were very quiet on the night. I think that's obviously hurt yes, them a fair bit. Their impact was uh, was limited. I they, think that uh, certainly was. Cam Guthrie did a job on um, Robbie Gray, so oh, I think yeah. he was yeah. very good very, himself. Very solid. Sure, yeah. Guthrie, yeah. 25 disposal himself and kept Robbie Gray to 11, so... Certainly, Robbie the, Gray will uh, get a lot more attention now that he's a yeah, uh, qualified star. So. So. It's, uh, There's a few incidents with Robbie Gray last few weeks. I yeah, yeah. Up, um, Tommy Ruggles. And mm, he did. Last week, I think he was throwing a few punches around the stomach to a few he's, players. He's a, he's a very frustrated man. And, and why wouldn't you be playing for that club? Now, the other game, there weren't too many games on Sunday, but... The first game on Sunday was a bit of an early one. It was St Kilda up against the GWS Giants. Of course, St Kilda going down in a very close one against Hawthorne. And we thought that they could probably replicate that form, but there was just too many passengers in this game, wasn't there, Maxie? Yeah, well, there's actually three games on Sunday, super as normal. But <laughs> well, 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 yeah, a limited few, <laughs> well, but still, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, as a young side, St Kilda, it's obviously going to be hard to mm. produce the same effort every single week. But yeah, 12 goals, 7.79 to 19 goals, 12-126 to the Giants. They're looking pretty scary at the moment, the Giants. Pretty highly. Starting to play very well. Very, They're getting more consistent as, obviously, they're starting to mature a bit. GWS, so plus 49 in disposals, plus 24 contested. And best on ground, by far, I thought, was Toby Green. Probably hey. one of his best games for the club. He's he In the first couple of years, he started in the midfield, but... Since they've introduced a few more of the young talent, he's gone through the midfield. He's played more of a high half forward role, mm-hmm. and he's he played he played that role on the weekend. But he collected thirty one disposals, nine marks, ten inside fifties, and four goals three. So it was probably I thought he was probably the most impressive he's been in a long time. It's just a complete individual game, isn't yeah. it? Really. And when you do say a long time, Maxie, he had, of course had a breakout season for the Giants when he first started. Not yeah. a lot of people expecting him to mm. do that. But yeah, yeah, the last couple of seasons he's been pretty quiet. So that is a big positive for the Giants. It was also um, Jeremy Cameron's first game back. And he, hey. he didn't have as many disposals as probably he would have mm. had, he had, had he played the first four matches. But he kicked five goals in his first game back. I mean, you probably take that from your full forward, don't you? Exactly right. <laughs> but, um, Stevie Pretty J. Good way to thank your uh, team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stevie J also came back to snag four sausage rolls, surfer. And she was. That's 11 for the season now, so he started well. But um, like a pretty good pick. GWS have also unearthed a few good halfbacks this season. Well, we talked about Nathan Wilson. He played a fair yeah, bit last yeah. year, but him and Zach Williams. I was impressed with Zach Williams. Williams. I didn't yeah. know too much about him until I saw him this week, but he had 26, and Nathan Wilson had 21. They're both pretty good ball users as well, and they're both pretty quick. But on the... 
On the St Kilda front, Nick Rewalt was very impressive. This is probably the best game I've seen him in a couple of years because mm-hmm. he got up, he started up the ground, but he worked his way forward. Ended up with four goals from twenty-five disposals oh, with wow. eleven marks and three inside fifty marks. So, sure is. pretty and, well in the end. But GWS yeah. were just too good in the end. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have fluctuations from St Kilda in terms of yeah. their level of performance, just because purely they're just a young side and they've got that many young players. And also a goal of the year contender coming out of that match. I think big Jackie Sinclair on the boundary snapped yes, a very nice is. one through the Probably middle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the many few highlights for St Kilda in that match. But, um, yeah, they've got some very good young talent there, That's though. They're all going to Another one of those little uh, short, buzzing midfielders or half they forwards they've got. The Saints. They got a few certainly do. They do. And, they do. Yeah, as you say, Serbs, they are going to collectively they are gonna be going build into in the a very... Good side to watch the next couple of years. I'm thinking along the same lines as the Bulldogs, even. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly are. Maybe a little bit behind in their development. Yeah, but they'll I think certainly, so, yeah. they'll certainly yeah, got some good players when there. They're, when they're in their patches and they when they're switched on the Saints, they can play some they're electrifying exciting, they? footy, can't they? Absolutely they really electrifying. Can. Now another game on Sunday, and this was the match, of course, with the two undefeated sides playing. It was it was going to be a pressure. It was going to be pressure on whatever coach finished, but I think at the end of the day, there was more pressure on a man who. Really, he says he hasn't been in any bigger holes than this, but I think after this game, I think he's in the biggest hole he's been in, just about. Carlton have finally broken their duck and left Fremantle in an absolutely disarray with a four-point win at the main stadium. It was brilliant. Um, the Blues, um, of course, taking the win 10-12-72 to 9-14-68, and this, of course, gives Brendan Bolton his first win as Carlton coach. So a lot of great signs from this match, fellas. Um, Mark Murphy was outstanding. He had the old concussion um, helmet on and uh, must be must be following in the same way as Caleb Daniel. Very influential. He had 28 important disposals. Um, and a player which we didn't expect was going to be a bit of a hero was, of course, the old um, Liam Jones. Two sausage rolls in the last few minutes, mm-hmm. and only three disposals up until three quarter time, and he really marked himself out in that game, and of course won the won in the game, and mm. that was absolutely outstanding. But it was from a pretty terrible turn he turnover, was, mind you. Yes, he was very quiet the entire game up until those moments. Mm. William Jones, what do they say? It's not always your day, but it can be your moment, and when they needed it, he, he was fantastic. Up. So. And of course, for Carlton as well, they had a yeah. It, it was fantastic from him because he, he has struggled in in many years. He of course got uh, traded from the Western Bulldogs. Didn't do a lot there, but um, no. this was a very good game from him. Yes. And Paddy Cripps as well, um, absolutely love his stuff. He was outstanding with thirty disposals, including twenty cont- contested, which is outstanding. Cade Simpson um, was hitting. His targets as well. He got 16 of his kicks out of his 19 hitting targets, which is pretty high efficiency from him. Um, with, of course, Freo's efficiency being very low indeed. And uh, Dale Thomas was very good as well. I thought he kicked three vital goals, while Sam Rowe was very important down back as well, which was which was great to see them all playing very well. But I think the biggest question out of this game is, of course, Fremantle. Yeah, where do they go from here? Um, you know, do they do they start rebuilding? Or can they still salvage their season from here? It doesn't get any easier, fellas. Um, they face Adelaide in Adelaide. They then face GWS at home. And then they face Hawthorne in Tasmania. So it's going to be a hard three weeks. Well, that's three weeks. They don't have Aaron Sanderlands. They don't have Harley Bunnell. And of course... For most of the year. And of course, um, Johnson as well. With a, a yes. pretty bad hamstring mm. injury. I think he's a few months on the sidelines. So I think they got to, they're going to have to be forced to play a few more kids. Mm. But... Um, I think Ross, he started to do that actually. I think Darcy Tucker came in this week and he, he did. He impressed me actually, and so did a young man called I think it was Brad Gray, Bradley yep. Gray. But he, mm. he played all right actually. He, he wasn't bad, and um, yeah, I think they're just lucky. Well, also played as well. He had eighteen touches, but I think they're just going to have to continue to start playing the younger kids to mm. see how they're going to bring this club back to where they were in the past year. Exactly or so. right. Mm. They, they're going to have to blood a lot more players, and this was, of course, one of Ross Lyon's biggest problems when he was at St Kilda. He just didn't play any talent, no. any young talent. No. And so he didn't draft or no. you know, bring a whole lot in. It was sort of. Uh, established players. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, it was it, it was sort of looking looking to the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, who can we bring in to sort of plug the gaps? Which is not a bad approach, but when you do it sort of all over your list, sometimes you you're left needing a total restart, which is essentially what St Kilda had to go through. And um, mm. 
Exactly years. right. Well, he's, got so a, he's got a five-year contract, Ross. So they've, got to, they've got to stick with him, and he's got to. They've he's got, got, got to introduce the kids because he can't. Mm. He can't worry about the short term. This and year, and he's you know. and he's going to have to change something up. You would think in the way they play, because as we've touched on in earlier episodes, the game is being played very high scoring and quickly paced. So of course they're going to have to change a few things. Now of course on Sunday night they persisted with this game, the Anzac Day Eve concept, mm-hmm. and it got another very good crowd over fifty thousand, which was great. And of course Melbourne are up against the Tigers. A lot of pressure on Damien Hardwick coming into this match. And fellas, is there still pressure on him? Absolutely. Yeah, well, just, I don't think they're good enough. So they're no, just, they're not. Good. They're not a top eight side at the moment. But we'll get stuck into the game. It was mm. twenty goals nine. Rich uh, Melbourne, sorry, one twenty nine. So the D's, the D's actually started scoring a lot more. And Ruzi, obviously, they started with mm. a focus in the first few years to bring the sc- the scoring against them down. But they've they brought their attacking game to the to the mm. fore. But um, yeah, Richmond fourteen goals twelve ninety six now. The D's were plus eighty four disposals. So that's a, they kept Richmond kept coming. They challenged the D's a few times for Izzy, but Melbourne looked in control for most of the game. And mm-hmm. Jeff, their forward line's looking pretty potent at the moment. Jeff Garlady came back in this week, four goals, and Jack Watts kicked three goals. But um, mm-hmm. a young man called Jack Viney had seven disposals, twenty three of those contested. Contested, unbelievable. We saw what um, Alex Rance did to Jackie Watts, and we oh. saw. As soon as he did that, Jack Viney got stuck into him, which was great to see. But um, love a bit of flair. Who I thought was best on ground was actually Maxi Gorn. You know, Maxi Gorn. I'm going to give him a wrap in my praise, so I won't go. I'll go. I'll wait for, for all of his um, details from the game till then. But I was also impressed with um, another man who flies under the radar, sir. But Dean Kent. Dean 25 Kent. Twenty-five disposals off the half forward line, four tackles, seven mm. inside fifties, three goal assists, and a goal. So. And a very decent tattoo sleeve, might I add. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they've, they've got a fair bit of ink going down. They the certainly do. They do. Must yeah. be a new trend, I think. Yes. No um, choir boys down there anymore. But, no, um, certainly not. No. Trent Cotchin was pretty good for the Tigers, um, coming back from all the criticism he's got. Mm-hmm. He had another 32 disposals. And Jack Rewald, again, a few of their senior players are still standing up, but um, Jack kicked three. But the Tigers just aren't good, that good, na- well, good, they aren't good enough mm-hmm. at the moment. But, um, yeah, the Ds were just too good. No matter what um, Richmond threw at them, they look like a far, a far better team than they have been in recent years. And first time in a few years, I think since two thousand eleven. Since two thousand eleven, it was Maxie. Yeah, yeah. first time in a row. Time so. row. Mm. In, the Not since Colin Sylvia was in the team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. How about uh, that one, Ross? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's uh, yeah. No, they. No. It's kind of. I know. It feels like we say it every week about Richmond, doesn't it? But it is really. Season on the line stuff next week, and so too their opponents, Port Adelaide at the MCG, pro- arguably the two most underperforming sides so far. It's C- be a crunch certainly match, isn't uh, it? for their respective supporters, the most disappointing side so far. You know, barring a draw, someone's got to win it. So someone's got to win it. That's absolutely it right. Could, it could be the kickstarter that one of them needs. But the side that loses it, it is almost curtains. It certainly is for this season. And, of course, the East... Uh, I was about to say Easter Monday, but the, the Anzac Day Monday special. I think it was because I woke up at the dawn service. I'm still recovering from my sleep then, but it is a small sacrifice for a very big day. Oh, yes. It was a big day. It's always a big occasion. Both teams get out. Um, we got over 85,000 at the MCG, and... This game always delivers up to the hype, but unfortunately, as far as competitiveness goes from Essendon, it just wasn't quite there in the first quarter, was it? No, unfortunately. Yet again, we uh, we failed to get up for the biggest home away game of the year. I mean, as Essendon supporters here, I think we can all sort of come and say we're, we're, we're sick of it. We're sick we of being sick embarrassed it. on this day. I get it, the circumstances are uh, extremely different this year, but uh, mm. there are some things that I'm prepared this year to sit back and accept like mm. you know uh, younger bodies getting tired and push mm. off the ball easily and uh, you know fading away late in mm. games things like that but, but uh, lack of effort and intent uh, you I, know Frosty I think they're almost they're almost overawed by the occasion weren't oh, they I, I think for sure the, the emphasis going wasn't. into the game was you know just treated as a normal game yep. but I think the occasion got a little bit too big for some of those younger players who are yep. probably inexperienced yep. still uh, we were chatting, um, chatting before the podcast uh, Maxie and I that we, we, we just Really need to uh, address the issue of getting jumped at the start of games. Uh, yeah. Too often again, said, you know, this quarter, 
eight goals to one two weeks ago against Port. I think it was seven to one. And yeah. you know, uh, we we really do need to be still staying competitive in games beyond quarter time mm. because uh, it's 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 really disappointing when games are virtually over in the first twenty minutes. Well, we saw, everyone was talking at the start of the year. Collingwood's midfield had a decent run. We mm. hadn't we hadn't seen that for the first four weeks, but. Again, they did it mostly in the first half, but we talk about Taylor Adams, 36 disposals, <laughs> Scott Penderbury, 35, Steel Sidebottom, 33, Trelaw, 32, Jack Crisp, 25. So I know the Bombers didn't play that well in the first half, but you sort of got a glimpse of what Tr- Collingwood are trying to build. Jordan Ngoi, yeah. outside 23, he was good in the first half, but um, yeah, yeah they're, they're going to have to do improve again this week, Collingwood, because they've got... Uh, West Coast over in West Coast, but we yeah, sort of got sort. a glimpse of what they're what they're building towards. I don't think they're I don't think Collingwood push for the eight this year, but you see, we got a glimpse of what their midfield yeah. is going to be. They mightn't be quite as far away as we thought mm. a few but, weeks um, ago, but um, yeah, we talked about Essendon's the terrible first half. We can't excuse yeah. that, but the second half they actually won the second half. Eight goals for Collingwood, mm-hmm. fifty two to nine goals five fifty nine. So mm. I know we got jumped at the start, and it doesn't really mean that much, but. It was good to see them put up a fight at least up, in the second yeah, half. Definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Match them on the scoreboard. Exactly. And also, Arazio Fantasia was impressive again. He's been impressive in all of his games. Yeah, he has. Talk, been very yeah, good. 25 disposals and two goals. So, yeah. he was playing off halfback last year mm. in the games that he did get, but it seems like they've moved him forward. And it seems I like he's so, a natural. Really. Yeah, well, it's funny because mm. well, I, I remember the drafted him a couple of years ago and we got him as that steal in the pick in the, in the mid-50s and yeah. he was a, from from South Australia I remember at the time we, we had uh, we had Nathan Bassett at the footy club and of course him hailing from there as well and he he uh, you know was obviously involved in the selection and I think the initial thinking was that they wanted Fantasia to sort of be that small half forward yeah. um, so now it looks like we're seeing that um, it's certainly just with, with those Two goals he kicked on Monday. You and, see, and he, uh, a and he real, kicked a very nice snap as well. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, on the a, run, so. real, uh, a real good goal sense, the young man. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good find. And another big find. Um, and it's it's the first time in Anzac Day history that the first goal has actually been kicked by an international recruit slash an American. Mm. And it was quite big. It was big, Mason Cox. It and uh, he... Everyone got around him, and I think from yeah. then on we sort of just saw the trend of the game, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. Collingwood were very fired up and very excited, but um, yeah, that's a that's a very good story. He's he was of course playing his first game, one of the tallest players who has ever played the game. Yeah, he's a very big boy, and he'll so just keep growing. From an Essendon supporter's perspective, as soon as he kicked that, you know, it's the first. It's not our days. It's just going to be one of those days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Talk about Mason Cox. Um, they also had another debutant. Josh Smith had twenty three disposals on debut. So yeah. It's really yeah. impressive. Jeez, yeah, don't and forget about goal as well. Yeah, I was sort of gonna say. Um, sort of got overshadowed, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of. I, I mean, full full uh, praise. I think coming from me for uh, for Michael Hartley. I thought he did a terrific job on Cox all day. He's been a real uh, fine so far this year, but he would have just been. Annoyed to have conceded cool that, that very first goal inside the first couple of minutes, and as you guys touched on quite correctly, I, I think it, it, it just set the tone. It certainly did, didn't it? Now, mm. of course, fellas, it's that time of the week for our favourite segment. It's praise days and lays, and first of all, um, my praise is going to a man who I always wanted to see in the red and black until he retired, and finally that dream has become true. Kale Hooker is back in red and black. He had many big offers from other clubs, but he said, nup. He said, I'm going to get a contract extension, so he is out until five years. And at about $750,000 as well, which is very good considering a lot of other clubs like mm. Hawthorne, North, and especially Fremantle are coming at him with nine hundred plus and Melbourne. Melbourne thought they had him, so And Melbourne were pretty <laughs> convinced that they had him, but um, Kale gave a little nice phone call to uh, Rossi Lyon, which doesn't want to hear more bad news, just to put a bit more salt in the wounds. But yeah, five years is just absolutely unbelievable. Um... Given that the Bombers are likely to finish last or second last, and Calden appears the only serious rival for the 2016 Wooden Spoon, you know, a, a, a two picks within the top ten would have been outstanding, but you almost think that with a really experienced player who's won our best and fairest, you know, this is probably a better result than what a lot of people would think on the outset. We just, um, for us, you just touched on um, 
Michael Hartley, mm. if we're just talking, just saying if, only if Michael Hurley comes back, do we expect Cavill to go forward now? Could we play Hartley mm, and Hurley very as the two point. defenders? And we'll, that is we'll very interesting. What do we, what do we I, mean, I mean, it all depends really on whether we can actually sign um, probably Hibbert and, and, and Hurley. Mm. Um, but we've got James Gook there as well. We so do. Yeah. I don't think we could play all of them there because they'll be... No, probably not. And, and, and ideally by, by the start of next year, even late this year, we're going to see... Plenty of footy from Aaron Francis as well. Maybe yes. as that kind of floating third, third tall defender. So I think that just, well, personally, I, I mean, Hooker kicked 21 or 22 goals last year in half a season playing for and he, he had something like nearly 50 shots. Imagine what the boat could produce oh. up forward for a full season. I, I, I see him as a, quite a good foil and uh, support for Joey Danaher. So I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to him playing forward again. And of course, let's not forget, he's such a good contested mark. So oh, he up is. forward, he, he, he would get plenty of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. But, but if we could nail him into that position, oh, if, that would uh, be a very big possibility. If he can become a little well. bit more consistent and reliable with that goal kicking, which, which you could notice a, a steady improvement late last year. If he can become a little bit more dependable with that, we, we could have a very, very useful key forward in our hands. So it's interesting. Look, it, it's... A good position to be in when you know that Mitch Brown can play at both ends. Yeah. Even, even Michael Hurley can. We've seen Michael yes. Hurley spend a couple of years up forward and giving us plenty of highlights there. It's nice to have the versatility. It certainly is. And it, it certainly makes it harder for other teams to try and match up with them, especially if they do that switch midway through a game if needed, mm. which Essendon did do in the past. Now, of course, we, we already have Heath Hocking and Travis Collier signed up, but I think this is our, our big name one, which we really wanted to cement. And hopefully, this will start the trend for players like Dyson Ebel, Michael Hurley, Michael Hibbert, maybe even Tom Bell Chambers, mm-hmm. if we yep. still want it. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, touch wood there. Um, but, it's look, it's a great signing. And, look, I think this is a bigger payoff than any first-round draft. Well, it is. is outstanding. I, think, I think you're exactly right, Surf, uh, sometimes... Regardless of how appealing or enticing another top-end quality pick would have been, you, you can't put a price on this kind of loyalty, can you? you? It, it's a great testament to the character. And of the that's player. what it is, isn't it? It's loyalty. Yeah, the char- the character of this man, uh, you know, the fact that he wants to play out his whole career with us is fantastic. And uh, I think it's just exciting to see what we're going to see for the future. What we have seen, I should say, in the last few years is just a guy that goes out there he loves the club that much, and every time he goes out there, you know you're getting 150% from him every time. It's uh, It was a great day yesterday, wasn't it? It was a great day. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, let me tell you, if we have all of those sign-ups coming back in, that's more than a competitive side. That's a side who can possibly mount something with those young players in the yeah. future. So very exciting times for Essendon if we can sign Definitely. more of those players. Now, Fries, what did you have for your praise? My praise for this week, gents, uh, we sort of skimmed over it before, was the D's after beating the Tigers and uh, they had that win last week as well against Collingwood, which was another great performance by them. Winning two in a row. First time since 2011 that we touched on it, as Serpers neatly pointed out as well. Colin Sylvia was still on the side (laughs) then. It was... Rounds 13 and 14 of 2011. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, best part of five years ago. No one thought they could do it. No. Nope. That was a knock on them that, well, as, as good as they and as impressive as they might look from uh, time to time, they can't string these wins together. They've done it now. They've taken a step forward. And now that uh, now they have the belief they can do it, they I can. think is the biggest yep. thing for me. So my praise this week to... Finally, some consistency from the Ds. And I'll tell you what, Frizy, they've got St Kilda this week. Um, I know it's at Etihad Stadium, and that's a little bit of an Achilles Hills for Melbourne. They did beat them there in the NAB Challenge. That's right, yes. Three in a row. Are we getting a little bit too ahead of uh, ourselves, no, or is it a, a possibility? It's a, it's, a, it's a real reality now, but I suppose yeah, yeah, you made a very good point about the uh, the history there. I think 2007, or I think 2007 was the last time... The D's actually won a home and away match there. Oh, it feels like a long time ago. We it were, certainly does. We were in primary school then when that happened, fellas. So Jeez. take uh, take that with a grain of salt if you like. But it, I'm not sure what impact it will have to this week. But, mm. uh, but it's certainly very yes. good for the Demons, isn't it? Yes. They've also got Gold Coast the following week as well. So mm. It is a Metricom, but I reckon they're more than a chance there. So yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think for the first time in a very long time. They're no longer that team that's a pushover. They're no longer that team that we're, that no. we're, that we're contemplating 
what is the margin? Will it be 100? Will it be 200? Yeah, you know? yeah. what, what is it going to be? Um, but now they're a side who's very competitive. They've got a spirited leader in Nathan Jones. They've got so many good, young, hard nuts in that midfield. Mm. It's a very exciting really prospect, isn't it? Get to see um, Petrarca this week. So and that is a very big in. And, uh, yeah, it has been announced during the week. Uh, he shook the hand of Paul Ruse, and that looks like a lock-in. So hopefully he can get on the park. We know that we know if, we know if he's had his injury concerns in the past, but that would be fantastic to see him playing for the D's. Now, Maxie, what did you have for your praise? Now, I'm continuing on the Melbourne flavour circuit. Hey. Um, my praise goes to Maxie Gorn this week. Now, Big Gorny. This is a bloke who got caught smoking in his car before training <laughs> a few years ago, but now we look at him, he's probably in the top three ruckman in the competition, but um, this week I thought he was pro- he was close to best on ground along with Jack Whitey, I thought, but for ruckman to have 18 disposals, two, 12 of those contested, seven marks in- to himself, and two of those were inside 50s which he converted into goals and 160 super coach points oh, get him in his captain <laughs> get around Maxi Gorn he's what my prize of the week He's unbelievable. And I'm just going to break a quick news story here. We were all at um, one of the day's play of the Boxing Day test, and we actually spotted Maxi Gorn having a few oh, pots. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he looked, he looked in pretty bad shape then. <laughs> but, boy, what a pre-season he must have had. I just, <laughs> I just, yeah, from my recollections that day, Jim, I just had this image of him sitting up at the top level of Southern Stand without a shirt on. Yes, have. he didn't have a shirt. Soaking up some sun and a few cool ales up there. He was enjoying, he was <laughs> enjoying himself. He was enjoying it, wasn't he? And he, sure um, was. he, he certainly made a very nice return to the AFL this season and uh, could be in all-Australian contention as well, gentlemen, um, for the AFL, not for um, sitting up in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful seeing him again this year, so there's a Boxing Day. We wonder. But we'll keep our eye out. Definitely, he might, he might have a keg this this time round. I think. Now, look. Um, of course, we're up to our dazes, and look, my days is going to West Coast for their really poor form away from home, and this has been a trend that we've been seeing for many years. We're five weeks into the season, and it's already becoming clear that two words stand between West Coast and a potential premiership. And that is, of course, boarding and pass. It's also Cyril and Rioli, but I think boarding and pass is a considerable one. Of course, this season already, um, when they have been at Domain Stadium, um, they've won all of their games there and they've looked very impressive. But when it came to playing Hawthorne in Round 2 in the Grand Final rematch, they were dismal. And against Sydney Swans in 40 minutes of football, they just looked absolutely terrible. They didn't look like the West Coast we come to expect when they are playing at home. And another statistic, Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy, of course, they're two gems up in the forward line. At the main stadium, they average over two goals a game. But elsewhere, it's less than two goals. So, I mean, that's a considerable, you know, difference. Um, But, look, although they handled the greasy conditions pretty well in that game against Sydney, in the final term, they had 19 inside 50s. And out of those 19 inside 50s, they only managed four behind. So it was... It was pretty lacklustre, unfortunately. So oh, didn't kick a goal, sir. They didn't kick a goal didn't in the last quarter. Goal. So oh, there you go. Is. Yes, oh, yes. Four sad. behinds and and no goals, unfortunately, from nineteen inside fifty. So yeah, they're just not using the ball. Nineteen and a quarter is phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just we it's a very just, yeah. frustrating last quarter for uh, Adam Simpson up there in the box. Absolutely I, right. I, I don't know what it is at the moment with the Eagles. Are they, are they sort of? Have they have they dropped off? I mean, obviously, I think they have dropped mm. off a bit from what we saw last year. Are they just going through the motions a bit? The thing is, regardless of uh, the inability to win interstate, we do know that still, um, and even it's been the case in the past years when they haven't been in fantastic form. Uh, almost every game over at Patterson's, uh, you almost lock in. You do. So yeah. it, it's still hard to see them missing oh, September absolutely. this year, and how far they go. Well, who knows from there. Mm. Um, but just to give you a bit of a insight into their next couple of weeks, uh, the next three road trips are to Geelong in the in, in a fortnight, then to the Adelaide Oval to play Port Adelaide, which are it's not quite good at the moment. Then they play uh, the Western Bulldogs at Etihad Stadium in another two weeks. That is going to be line in the sand clash, you would think. Um, and then they've got only two more MCG clashes for the year, being against Carlton and Collingwood. So, I mean, we talk about... Um, you know, them not having that confidence mm. when they play at the MCG. Well, there's your reason why. Only two games at the MCG, uh, yeah, yeah. three for the year, um, and a potential one for a final. They, they, they could potentially be travelling if 
all is going to plan with the way the season is going. They could be playing West. Um, they could be playing Sydney at the SCG in, in a final. I mean, would you lock them in now? It's hard to tell, isn't it? It is. It is. But yes, certainly that seems to be their Achilles' heels playing away from home. Mm. Fraser, what have you got for your days this week? My days. My days was Alex Rance. Oof! Yes. Hey, uh, Very good one. I don't think there'd be many people following football. Fans, commentators, anyone that wouldn't have seen the footage of this, but uh, it just it just shocked me. It was just an absolute brain fade. It was. It, it was quite unexpected. It's and, pretty uncharacteristic. And of, uh, yes, it is. Alex Rance. It is as well. Um, just pressure all night. Yeah, probably just yeah, lost it, his cool in the it, heat of the moment. Yeah, if anything, you know, it was late in the game. The game was out of reach. You know, the result was was a given. Uh, if anything, just a show of frustration. I think it was. Remember he spat the dummy in the elevator? Final against Port Adelaide, where um, he gave a fifty away in the square, and he ended up. He just grabbed the ball and it just booted it into the crowd. He wasn't happy, but <laughs> he yeah, was. Yeah, bro, that was a that was a game. It was just like, a brain fade. Yeah, pretty cheap shot. I reckon. It's yeah, for two weeks. What did you I, boys reckon? I think, I think so. two weeks just is fair enough, no isn't it? Do it regardless yeah. of uh, how much it hurt or how forceful it was. I mean, why do you need to do that? You don't hit someone in the head like that, I mean, especially I mean, when they're down, which is a pretty cowardly thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's the other thing. Is it was the it was the on-field version of a um, of a one punch, wasn't it? It, was it certainly of, was. You know. But of course, your man uh, Maxi Jack Viney got involved afterwards. Made yeah. sure he, uh, he made sure he earned it. But uh, yeah, no, nah, that, that's that's that, that's just not on. Is it? Just a mystery, wasn't it? It was it's a real and, mystery. Um, and, and I think he's, he's, he's mm. going to miss two big games for Richmond because they've got yeah. Port this week and on a Friday yeah. night or next week. Yeah. So I'm going to pick the worst time. Not that there's yeah. ever a good time for that, but it just and there's, there's some pretty now, good forwards in both of those sides, so yes. certainly going to yes. fill that absence of him. Mm. I mean, the other question is, he's got some anger management issues. He might need some help. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Gee whiz, that is unbelievable. Maxie, what did you have for your days this week? I had the um, same game, but Tommy Bug. <laughs> Tommy Bug? First of all... First showboating. Of all, first of all, he's showboating. I don't know about that. When you've... You're a young fella, he's only played seven games. Confident maybe, fella. You know, maybe if you got a few more runs on the board, Frizy, but um, yes. first yeah. of all, these celebrations, oh. what did we make of them? Tried to silence the crowd in the second quarter. The second That's quarter <laughs> when the game was almost yeah. level. You usually do that when you save that for the last quarter when your thing goes up. But, um, mm. And then a bit more of a crew back was... He pushed Jack Rewitt when he was injured. I wasn't a big fan of that. Yes. It wasn't a good look for the game. And while he was in the hand of the trainers as well, Max. Yeah. yeah. I think he came out and apologised. He said it, it was um, cringeworthy, but oh. you don't do that. I think it's heat of the moment stuff, but still, I do think I, that's overstepping yeah. the mark. Do I sense a bit of an attitude problem here with this young man? I'm I not sure. So. I mean, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. I mean, like Max, he said, heat of the moment, confidence is sky high. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Anything really about the character of the, of no. the young man, but uh, you know, I mean, look, he's just he's, some unnecessary things. I mean, he's not extremely, he, yes, he certainly <laughs> is. He's certainly a bug by name, bug by nature. So, uh, yes, we've got to watch out for him. He, he could be the next Ryan Crowley, you just never know. Oh, just a pest out there, he yeah, just a, he's, a, he's a genuine pest mm. now, gentlemen. Of course, um, for the lays this week, I went with the umpiring, which has been a very big talking point on the social media, and uh, of course. Where this all came up was in the Hawthorne match, actually. And I think Hawthorne has actually been given some advantage with the umpire in the last couple of weeks. Of course, Hawthorne has won three very close games. But if we go back to last week against Hawthorne, St Kilda's David Armitage, um, he went to bump Cyril Rioli. Uh, Cyril bumped it, sort of went in with his head. But he, he bumped him on his side. So therefore, it's not a high bump. I didn't understand that one. Mm. And then, of course, probably the most shocking one from that game was the two no-15s that weren't oh. given in that. At least one of them was 20 metres and weren't given, turned over, Baffling. goal to Hawthorne in a very crucial part of the game. And, of course, if we looked at this Friday night, a lot of frustrated Adelaide Crow supporters going back over there. They um, Sean Burgoyne in his 300th game was given... A free kick for getting held in the center of the ground in one of the last clearances of the I don't game. I think he grabbed him at all. No, no, what it was just a bit of a tussle, wasn't it? What did we make of the Isaac Smith in the last? In and the then, of course, this is the was, one. I thought it was half the ball. This is the one. I thought it was. If, if it wasn't the only thing, I think there might have been the. The thinking was um, perhaps a lack no of prior, prior opportunity. No prior opportunity. And I, but the, the other thing that gets me is, you know, 
which a lot of people might say, oh, but you can't pay that in front of goal. You can't pay it late in the game. How is that any different to if that happened on the wing in the first quarter? Exactly right. Exactly right. Look, it's a big moment. Of course, the umpires would be nervous as well about what decision, but you've got to keep that consistency. There were, there were yeah. about two other no-prior opportunities that I picked out from the game. I think one with Paul Seaman, one with Rory Laird, and both of those... They, they only had the ball for two seconds. They couldn't yeah. get it out. And, yep. of course, they were pinned holding the ball. So then why this would you worse. turn around this and is, do this? this? Is, I'm, I'm actually, I sort of, Cause, cause at Smith, first thought yeah. it was a bit of a 50-50, but I, I am almost with Maxi on this. I, mm. I mean, I'd be quite happy to see that paid. Because Isaac, he, he, he opted not to spoil. He opted to grab the ball mm. out of the air, yep. and he did nothing with it. Did, didn't try to handball it. So, therefore, no, I think you, the, you have to pin that. And the disposal of it at the end there was also questionable. I mean, Very it may have just been spilled out of the contest, but... Uh... I don't know what very, Hawthorne are paying him, Fryzy, but um, certainly a lot of very questionable free kicks. And, of course, all those free kicks cost them the game. So um, could have the game went the other way in that close contest? Well, hindsight's a beautiful may thing, be. isn't it? May, may have, I'll tell you what. Now, Fryzy, what did you have for your lays this week? Well, gents, my lays this week was Port Adelaide. Not generally, but after quarter time. After the melee, they've just fired. After the melee, this just... No shots fired. This really took me... By surprise, and I, I just, I, from Port Adelaide point of view, I think they would have been very frustrated with this because there were you know, players, and as we touched on earlier on, coaches involved in this too. It was uh, almost an attempt by Port to bring some spice and some heat into the contest, which they were in front of at the stage after five goals in the first quarter. All it did was fire up Geelong. It certainly did. In the end. Um, I, th- I think, if anything, the owners should be on Port Adelaide oh, after well, starting that melee. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, if you're, if you're going to come out with that uh, kind of presence on the siren when it's not really needed. That's fine. But uh, in in their case, they couldn't turn that aggression into scoreboard pressure on the field. And Geelong just whilst passing the next three quarters. Um, he did. He did. He did. He went um, there was obviously, to Selwood and then two goals to Dangerfield. Yeah. The two men that they were trying to fire yeah, up. Yeah, so there was obviously a real... Uh, a competition to learn by Adelaide's mistakes. That's there. it. Yes. There, you know, and if you look at Dangerfield's reaction, there was plenty of fire in that. Dan- Dangerfield, he meant it. Oh, Dangerfield just responding uh, in the only way he knows best. Just pure class. Yeah, pure class. And those two goals he hit as well were pretty pretty. Good goals as well, I, 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 from what I recall. Um, yeah, just disappointing. You know, and, you, you and have the upper hand at three-quarter time, uh, sorry, at quarter time, and just very disappointing last three quarters. I, I, I would put that down to just a, a real missed opportunity there for Port. They had, a, they had a real chance there on at home. Saturday night. Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing as well, Fryzy, they've got a very big game coming up against the Tigers. This is a really intriguing one this yeah, week, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, this, this will really prove... How far behind Port yeah. Adelaide are, but it certainly is looking very, very a real bad tough in the next one to, weeks. Uh, to decide, isn't After it? After the it certainly is. Time, it was three goals to fifteen. Three to fifteen. That yeah, I, I unbelievable. I, I did forget to mention that. That's exactly right, Maxie. That's uh, that that sums it all up. The you know the uh, the differences in the effort. endeavour and yep, effort the after quarter time just. Polar opposites. Mm. And as we touched on before, just those big leaders, big Chad Wingard, all of them, they just didn't stand up. No, well you're enough. right. You're right. And I was just frustrated. Basically, the whole side was went missing after that. It did. Um, and by the time they, they pegged some goals back in the last quarter, the damage was done. They were ten, almost 10 goals down at that stage. It was uh, a little bit too late. Certainly it was. Yes. And Maxie, what did you have for your days this week? Yeah. Uh, Lays, sorry. Serpa, you touched on Cam Hooker signing this week and what it meant for Prio, so... I've gone free of recruiting established players in the last few seasons. Now, obviously, they've just missed out on Kate Hooker, but in the last few seasons, they've also missed out on Travis Cloak, who who knows if they'd want him now. Well, well, probably not now, but... They've also missed out on Jack Rewalt, Harry Taylor... Maca- they missed out on McCarthy last year they and did. also Aaron Black who can't even get a game for North and he didn't... And he he still didn't want to go there. <laughs> the so I think they'll end up getting McCarthy this year in the trade period, but they just can't land a big fish. So and particularly up in that forward line where they need oh, practically practically a man who's going to go into a retirement home after after his tenure yeah. at um, Freo <laughs> being Matty Pavlich, he just has no help up there. So, I mean, no. the recruiters really did need to give him something. They, they do have some nice, small, crumbing forwards, but yeah. at the end of the day, that's not going to help got, you. you know, I think the... The two big holes in that list are a key at both ends, but as you as you said, sir, quite rightly, especially in that forward line. I mean, all we 
mostly here when Frio lose games of footy is inability to score and forward line not functioning. Well, it would start by having someone you could build it around, I think. So they really need to push hard for, yeah, as Maxi said, maybe McCarthy, who knows, at the end of the year. Absolutely. Now, gentlemen, we are about to preview round six, which is going to start off on Friday night. This is going to be an absolute thriller. It's first up against second. It's the Kangaroos up against the Doggies. Gentlemen, this just has to be about the pick of the round. Yes, I think so, Serpa. Uh, really, I think we'll see a bit of a sort of a fast, high-pressure kind of slingshot-style footy game. Uh, for me, it's a genuine 50-50 at this stage. Maxie made a point a bit earlier about a bit of injury play running through the dogs. That's going to play a part as well. I think I'm actually, I'm in terms of tipping, I'm going to tip the dogs just. Mm. Really difficult one to decide, though. It certainly is. And look, I would love to tip the doggies too, but I just think that North Melbourne forward line are going to compromise that pretty inexperience with some of the players, um, the Western Bulldogs back line. I mean, I still trust that the doggies are going to really give it all they got, um, but I'm just going to tip North here in a really close one. Yeah, I think in the same boat, lads. I think on their day, if they had their full team, I think I'd probably tip the doggies, but I think North are in some pretty good form at the minute. I think North has still got to show what they've got against the top sides. I don't think they've played... Apart from Adelaide in the first round, I don't think they've played anyone. No. Great note. So I'd like to see what North are going to dish up this week, but I think just with the Bulldogs injuries and how good North's forward line is functioning at the minute, I'm going to tip North. Yep, absolutely. And on Saturday um, at Etihad Stadium, it's Melbourne's home game, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, It's Melbourne up against the Saints. And history shows us that St Kilda have a pretty good record against the Demons. The Ds haven't bet St Kilda for a long while. Of course, they did in the NAB Challenge. But, gentlemen, where's this one going to go? Ds in some good form. Yeah, uh, I I think that was ultimately what it came down to for me when deciding who to tip. Uh, Slightly better form from Melbourne, I think. Three in a row if they win. Imagine that. Yeah, if they won the North game, they'd be 5-1. Imagine oh, what people would be yeah. saying. Wow. If the Ds were 5-1. No, I don't think we ever would have wow. sought that. Yeah, um, despite the track record Eddie had stadium and all things uh, considered, I think form is almost just too good to go against them. So it's going to be Melbourne for me, this mm. one, fellas. Well, it's, of course, a very big inclusion for the Ds. Of course, Christian Petrarca comes in for his very first game. A lot of hype over him. Mm. He was the number two draft pick for the Demons. He is apparently lighting the world on fire in the VFL. They, they just couldn't hold him anymore. He's eventually in now, which is great. But I'm actually going to tip the Saints here. I just I would love to tip the Ds, but I know there's some sort of a commentator's curse when it comes to trying to... Get a team who hasn't won two in a row to suddenly three in a row. I think it's too big of a step. I think the Saints at home might just do it. I think the Ds have got a lot of hoodoos they've got to overcome, but I think they're sort. I think they're past it, so far. I think mm. the Ds are a better team than St Kilda at the moment. I'm tipping the Ds to win this game. I'm pretty confident that they've become more of a consistent team, and they should win this. If they don't, it's back to the drawing board with Rusey. He's got to get the mind right. The mind's the state of mind right in these sort of games that they should win which they've mm. dropped over previous years but I think they've matured and I'm tipping them very good and of course the other big match a couple of years ago um, round 9 2015 the Adelaide Crows were up against the Fremantle Dockers and this was one hell of a match of course Dangerfield played on Fife it was an unbelievable was. contest Frio prevailed in the end but it was an unbelievable match Will this year be the same, fellas? I'm not too sure. <laughs> I don't think so, sir, but I think Adelaide are going to win this pretty easily. Yep, uh, I think they'll make a pretty light work of this struggling Frio side in the yes. end. I probably wouldn't have uh, thought that way a month and a bit ago before the start of the season, but it's just, I don't know when this first uh, Frio win's going to come on the board, but I don't think it'll, it'll be this week. And, of course, a lot of big odds against the Fremantle Dockers coming into this game. Of course, Nat Fife, Aaron Sandilands out. They're two very integral parts of their midfield. Michael Johnson as well. And Michael Johnson as well. I think Freo in that game quite easily. Now, a very interesting... So, sorry, Adelaide, sorry, sorry. I, I get used to saying Fremantle because they've been so good in the past. Of course, they were none and they, they were nine and zip last year, but I think they could almost be zip and nine. So... Very interesting, but uh, a game that's also going to be very intriguing because this time last year, 
it was also a very good win to the Giants against the Hawf- uh, against Hawthorne at uh, Spotless Stadium. Of course, this one being played at the same place, Twilight Game. Gentlemen, do you see this going the same way? Well, it, it, again, it's going to. I think it will be a close game. This, and you, I, I still agree with what you said about uh, the Dogs and North probably being the pick of the round. But this isn't far behind it. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, as you touched on, yeah, last year the, the Hawks were stunned up there by by the Giants. I'm going to. Play it safe though, and yeah. tip Hawthorne. I think they might just squeeze themselves over the line, but it is very, very tough. Fellas, what do we think? Mm. I want to, as much as I want to tip JWS. I think I'm really looking forward to this game, but I just can't tip against Hawthorne on the same boat as Friday. So, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think I'm going to have to tip the Hawks here. I think um, regardless of what the result is, I think the umpires are going to be going there, going, oh yeah. Let's travel with the Hawks on this one. What about, but, what no. about this next game? Richmond versus Port Adelaide. This is no. going to... This is. Gonna this, do for the loser? I'd like to say this is the pick of the round. This, this is one of the most important results out of this round, I think. It will, it be, will it be an exciting game to watch? Well, that's another thing. Both teams both struggling. Look, it's at the MCG. I'm going to tip the Tigers here. I think they need to really stand up here, and they've got to do it in front of a home crowd. I'm going to go to the Tigers. What do you think, gentlemen? Yeah, it's a tough one for me to pick again. There's a couple of those this week. I suppose they are every week. Yeah, as we said, pretty much season over for the loser. I just think Port Adelaide might have a little bit more firepower, mm. so I'm going to go for Port this week. I just wonder if they might just have a little bit more run and energy. Yeah. And I, 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 I think they would have been stung by Geelong running over the top of them last week as well. So Port for me. Yeah, I'm with Fry. Yeah, I think Port just a bit too much firepower in the midfield for mm-hmm. Richmond where... It's an area they struggle with. They've got a few good mids, but they, the depth runs a bit. It doesn't run as deep as what I think Port Adelaide can when they're playing their best footy. I think Kenny Hizzo will have a fight up this game. So I'm just tipping Port, but who knows? Yeah. There are rumours coming from Punt Road that Brett Delidio might be ready to tell, tackle this match. That would be a big in if he could get on the park and might just make the contest a little bit more interesting with him there. Now, of course, on Saturday night, we go down the highway to Simmons Stadium. We have the Geelong Cats up against the Gold Coast Suns. Gary Ablett going down there again. And uh, will he create a bit of magic for the... Will he inspire the Gold Coast Suns? Or do the Cats have this one at home? I don't think it's out of the question, but uh, yeah, as we've known from past years, even when they've been up and down, they're so hard to tip against down there. They certainly are. It's a bit um, of a fortress, isn't it, for other Yeah, you're right. I, I think a couple of games this year, I know the game when they played us, the Bombers, they were a little bit complacent. They fluctuated a little they, bit, haven't they? Yeah, they have been a little bit hot and cold already. But I just feel like it's one of those games, if I tip the Suns, they're probably going to get blown away. So, no, the Cats for me this week. Cats for me as well. Cats for me as well. I just think they'll be. They should win. They're too. They a better side than Gold Coast, I think. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Gold Coast up got up. I think they're playing decent footy, but not the best. But I think if as long as Geelong come with a my right, uh, right mindset, I think mm-hmm. they should get up. Now on Sunday early afternoon, we have the Brisbane Lions hosting the Sydney Swans at the Gabba. We've got 16th place versus third. Mm. I'd love to say this is going to be a close match. I mean, I hope to see the Brisbane Lions score highly, but I think the Swans for me in this one, Prozzi. Yeah, I think like every game they've played just about this year, Brisbane, for periods of it, they're going to be pretty competitive and they're uh, going to put up a good fight. But gee, just looking at on the screen server all the past encounters of the past few years Brisbane have been pretty much blown away every time mm. uh, regardless of that yeah I, I think Sydney should be too strong in this one yeah Sydney should be just I think it'll be a pretty it'll be like I just think Brisbane they'll be competitive through it parts of the game as you said for us but Sydney will just be too good now another very intriguing game on Sunday 322 PM, we have the good old Navy Blues who have won their first game coming up against the Dons who were pretty dismal last round. But both teams struggling, but this is going to be an interesting game. Can we do it, boys? Can the Dons get up? No, I think we can't. They've got their ta- it's probably got their tails up after yes. last week. But they are going to bring a fair bit of I mean, energy. Generally, the way it's gone for Essendon is one week they've performed well and then yep. the next week they've dropped off. So I think after following the pattern, yeah. I think yeah. after a pretty good performance in the second half against Collingwood, obviously they were blown away in the first 
Uh, but I think the Don should be in for a, a much more competitive game. I'm looking forward to this, but I'm going to tip Essendon, but with no confidence. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Max, in a sense I'm, I'm tipping us. Uh, look, maybe slightly biased. I, I genuinely think we can bounce back and really push Carlton right to the end. They've got to get the start right. A, yeah, that's it. That's it. That in, the is, game, in the game, it's crucial. In the games, the Bombers have lost. The first quarter has been, apart from the Geelong game, where they were pretty good, I think, the first quarter is pretty much tells you what Essendon's going to do throughout the game. So, but well, fellas, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. I'm going to tip the same result as round 23, 2004. Sure. It is oh. going to be a draw. Bang. We've had a lot of draws in the last we've had, we've, we had, have. we've had about three, I reckon, in the past we 10 have. years or something. You know what? It's, it, I'll it, think it's a two of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. It, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a total shock to I might see that. On this one, I, think. I don't reckon it would be a total shock, you know. Number one draft picks. Yeah, it yeah. certainly is. It might just turn out to be that way now. Of course, the last game Sunday at Domain Stadium in the afternoon. It's going to be the West Coast Eagles up against Collingwood coming off a good win. It is at Domain Stadium. As we've touched on, West Coast do love playing there. Um, I'm tipping West Coast for this one. Yeah, likewise, sir. I think uh, West Coast fairly easily. Yeah, I think Collingwood will have the tails up. I think Collingwood, will, they'll start to improve their performances, but I think West Coast will be too good at the main stage. Absolutely, and looking for the West Coast forwards to kick a couple more goals this weekend. Fellas, thank you for joining me again. It's been a pleasure to have no worries, all of sir. you back. It's been very good talking footy. Great fun as always, so thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to a very exciting round of football. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us on another episode of In the Ballpark.